Welcome to Redefine Instruction webcast and podcast series, where we bring a fresh perspective with every season. Grab a cup of coffee and join your host, Sandhya Lakanpal, for another exciting episode of the Creative Passionpreneur Chronicles, where she unravels freelance marketing and business secrets. Get ready to ignite your entrepreneurial spirit and dive into stories that will empower you to achieve your goals and live life on your own terms. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe for the latest episodes. Today, we explore the world of empathy-driven branding and measurement marketing with industry thought leader Christine Marie, the CEO and founder of The Knowing Group. Christine is no stranger to the world of branding and marketing. With internationally acclaimed clients such as Toyota, Amazon, and a Fortune 50 healthcare company, She's been at the forefront of helping organizations clarify their brands and connect with their target audience on a deep, emotional level. As a sought-after speaker on top digital marketing stages and podcasts, Christine's insights into the world of empathy-driven branding are second to none. She's the author of the upcoming book, Knowing, and makes her debut in the feature film, The Christmas Couple's Retreat, both set to release soon. At The Knowing Agency, Christine and her team curate empathy-driven brands and execute measurable, data-driven marketing activations. They believe in excellence and emotional intelligence as their guiding values, and their unique approach focuses on empowering organizations and executives with the self-knowledge necessary to authentically position their brands and create powerful, empathetic connections with their audiences. Throughout this podcast, We'll dive deep into the world of empathy-driven branding, clarifying your brand's message, designing tailored marketing strategies, and establishing emotional connections with your target audience. We'll also explore how to build lasting customer loyalty through memorable experiences. So whether you're a marketing enthusiast, a business leader, or just someone looking to gain a competitive edge in the world of branding, this episode of the Passionpreneur Chronicles is your go-to source for insights and strategies that will help you make a real impact. And now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Morning, Christine. Thank you for joining my podcast this morning. I am so excited to have you here. Um, thank you again for taking the time. I am looking forward to diving deeper. But I want to start with your journey. Tell me a little bit about digital marketing, empathy-driven branding, and measurement marketing. How did you decide to choose this as your niche? It's such a good question because I, when I initially started the business in 2019, I did not have any idea I would end up here. And even when I when I set out to to start the business, it was not under a, a big vision or big dream of where I was going. It was I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, I'm not sure if you've read that book, but it it really was a catalyst for me asking the question: Why am I working for other people? Why am I not taking a little bit more ownership of myself and my finances and my life ultimately? And and essentially, you know, I was 26 at the time. And I said, my biggest concern was surrounding the fact, will I continue to learn? And that that was that has never been a problem. I've never been the smartest person in the room, and I never planned to be. I continue to surround myself with people who are much smarter than I am. And in doing that uh, has really led to where I am today, as I've been learning about 
data analysis and, and measurable marketing tr uh, strategies and tactics. I had been uh, doing a lot surrounding overseeing projects and overseeing tasks and, and doing a deep dive into pretty much every single tactic that is marketing. So that included uh, geo-targeting ads, it included email marketing, customer journey, uh, the, the funnel and the tactics that would fall in each one. But as I've progressed throughout the years, taking much more of a high level view and having those individuals operating for me, um, you know, doing the execution, I can focus solely on strategy. And in doing that, I've come to really understand the right questions to ask surrounding the data to ensure that we're moving forward in a way that makes the most sense and is most in alignment with how the customer is behaving. But then then comes in the personal right so that's been the professional journey and the process thereof however with the personal side i have taken a big interest in the way people operate and the way that they think the decisions they make and why uh, this is something that i've always cared about i've always cared about connection with others and, and empathy however the biggest catalyst for me there actually there were two the first was I began to understand the Enneagram, which is a personality test, and I began to explore how different people's personality types influence the way that they actually are motivated to make decisions, ultimately. And, and Harvard Business Study says that 95% of our buying decisions take place in our subconscious. So I was personally becoming interested with what are the core motivations? What makes us unique and why are people doing the things that they're doing? And so I started taking a personal interest in that, and then by way of of that interest and that exploration, we started incorporating it into the business world. And then the second catalyst was I actually started to not just understand how other people think, but I started to understand how I thought. It was almost a taking ownership of self and mm -hmm. knowing self and exploring who am I and who, who am I created to be and designed to be as opposed to everyone else and their, their projections and opinions of me and for me and how I should live my life. Well, what do I feel called to? What am I passionate about? What do I value? And in terms of me taking that sense of ownership to know self, I in turn have been able to know others to a much greater degree than I ever thought possible. I thought I, I had this great ability to empathize with them uh, through my own study and, and you know, delving into the Enneagram. And, and I'm one of six kids, so that was something that was just kind of part of my, my nurture already. Mm -hmm. But it really is the, the marrying of the professional growth in the pursuit of measuring data-driven insights, and then also understanding our audience, the way that they make decisions, what they care about at a heart level that has really powered us to be where we are today. Yeah. And there's not a lot of folks who talk about the heart and the emotional aspect of the customer, right? We are just inundated with information and data. We just don't know. Yes. You know, it, it's just that the, the, the heart, the emotional aspect somehow drowns in all of that noise, right? So um, tell me, uh, I, I read about Sharon Strategies and the Knowing Company. I'm really intrigued. How did the journey start with Sharon? go into the new knowing company. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, so Starin Strategies, that didn't have much it didn't have an emotional reason as to the name. It was just, it kind of made sense and it sounded good. And, and we, we started it and actually I'll, I'll get, I'll get personal here with you and, and the listeners. Uh, I was previously married and that was my former last name. And, uh, and my husband leaving actually was the catalyst for me knowing myself. I was I was so devastated over him leaving that that was the very first time that I really took a good hard look at myself. Uh, I had been so focused on everybody else that 
I had never really taken the time to recognize, well, who am I? Um, who, who was I and how does that impact who I am today and who do I want to be? And getting the clarity around all of those three elements, who was I, who am I, and who do I want to be, has allowed for us to, us as in me and the company, to become so much more clear about what what I want and what we want. And we want to empower individuals on the executive level, but then also companies to know themselves as strong proprietary brands because on the executive on the executive level, no one has your brand. You are your own self. Thank right. God for that. Right. But the strength of your proprietary brand is only as strong as you knowing yourself. So we empower executives to know themselves. And frankly, this this transition of me knowing self has been such a big pivotal it's, a, it's almost like a waking up to the world and you, you, you realize, wow, there's so much more than I ever realized because now it's this whole other dimension. I was, I was a little bit more high level, just focusing on everybody else, but now I'm getting down to, to your point, the heart level. Yeah, now I yeah. can explore myself and my own soul and then explore that of others and then bring it forward in the way that we market. And yeah. so that has led to the, to the transition to the knowing agency because we really care about empowering people to know. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's funny how life events just, you know, it, they're like a wake up call, right? They give yes. they, it's like almost like there was this whole world sitting in front of me. I didn't see it. And now yes. I, now my vision has just expanded, right? That that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yes. Um, it's so, so true. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. You ever, if you've ever gone to uh, the eye doctor and, and uh -huh. they turn the dials, you know, you put your face forward and they turn the dials and then you can see clearly. And it's like yeah. you see it for the first time. I remember when I was 12 years old, I got glasses for the first time. Yes. And I remember the feeling I had in my body seeing leaves on the trees that I just, I never knew people could see that. And it was the yes. most exciting, visceral thing. And it's like, yes. well, how do we translate that feeling of being awake and right. living with eyes wide open right. to the everyday in relationship yeah. to business and such. Yep, 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 yep. And and in, now you're doing that with businesses, right? You're kind of exactly. broadening that horizon. And I think the two things that stand out most when I when I look at you and your your persona and your websites, you know, the authenticity, authenticity and the empathy that you bring with the data perspective to the yes. businesses that you work with. So yes. tell me, I think that there's, you know, there's a whole a lot of hustle culture and noise out there. How mm. do you propose that brands present themselves authentically and drive their products with empathy to their yeah. customers? Yeah. So what we do is we kind of go through a two-part process. We we do the first is, which is you have to know yourself and then you have to know your customer. So the empathy comes with, or I'm sorry, the authenticity comes by no, way of knowing self. And then the empathy comes in by way of knowing the customer. And so the first piece, which is authenticity, how do you cultivate authenticity? Um, and, and frankly, you really have to be willing to ask the hard questions of why, because I will ask brands, what are your values? And they'll say, oh, well, honesty. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously it's honesty. Who's going to work broad. with you? If you mm -hmm. Don't, claim to be honest, but, but okay, well, why are you honest? And then sometimes it comes out, well, when I was a kid, my, my dad, you know, he, he actually really cared about this because his grandfather, and then it comes into this 
beautiful story. Okay, well, let's play on that story. Let's mm -hmm. play on the reason why you are who you are today and why this matters to you. And, and I've seen it across big brands, small brands, this play on story that lends to why they are the way that they are. But then also not only does it have the story element, but it, it translates from the top all the way down. So if you look at pictures of even Southwest, they'll, you know, their, their values are fun loving and they want people to feel like they're getting a great deal. Well, there are pictures from their holiday, their, their festive gatherings as a team. And you can, you see the CEO wearing a, a costume for their Halloween party right there with the junior staff. So the values that we claim need to be embodied at every single level of uh, ownership all the way down to junior staff. But then also it needs to have a really good core reason why, because not only will the uh, customers relate with it, but then the employees will relate with it as well. And then that drives the loyalty, that drives tenure of employee retention and also tenure of customer loyalty. And then they will go out and become the best marketers for you because they feel tied to your values and your mission. Right. So the more clear and a brand gets on their values and their mission and their why, the more they can put that forward because it's rooted in something that is true and honest and, and people will resonate with that and they become the, the best advocates for you. And then with the empathy piece, um, again, we focus on the values of the customers. Well, what do they care about? You know, we want to make sure that we align. Um, and then also we really focus on what is the emotional transformation that's going to incur within them when they actually incorporate uh, the, the, the services or the products or they start interacting with a brand. What's the emotional transformation that happens to them once they start interacting with your brand? And what a strong brand does is that it sets the expectation on an emotional level about what the experience is going to be upon interaction with the brand. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately a strong brand that knows who they are puts forward that that message and that expectation in an authentic manner, but then meets them on the emotional level with delivering that experience. Yes, yes, that's that's beautiful. I mean, it's bringing the emotion first and then layer it with the data, you know. Yes. Um, and I love right. how you said, don't just focus on the customer. Take a 360 view with your employees as well, because you, yes. they are all, they're all connected. They're all inter interconnected and they will advertise for you if you're able to make that connection. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I, yes, yes. Thank you. And thank you for bringing that, the, the two aspects, right? So, because mm -hmm. if you do one without the other, it's just not relevant. Right. Um, yeah. So, so my question is, I know you've worked with some really big names and big companies. Do you have um, a, a case study or an example where you can, you can, you know, you worked with a customer, you brought out the empathy and, and worked with the data to kind of showcase and position their brand strategically? Yes, so we we started actually one one specific case study that I really love and and this really drives the the point home. So Amazon, we did an event with them with our partner. They were doing the event production and we did the communications for this event for Amazon. And it came to announcing the event. Mm -hmm. And this was the very first time Amazon was doing an event of this scale for their demographic internally. It was beautiful what Amazon was doing. It really showed their heart and showed their values. But when it came time to to actually showcase the event, well, who was going to be the mouthpiece? Mm -hmm. And so we took 
the approach of actually empowering executives to share about the event. So we created the social media content for them. Uh, they put that out on their social media channels and it was wild, the impact. So we ultimately took the time to understand who the executive was, what did they care about, how were they different from all the other executives and their voices and their values, and then how do we add in the brand level to that as well? And then ultimately, what is the best platform for them to be, be featured on? And so once- Are you a podcast enthusiast looking to share your voice and ideas with the world? Here is an exciting opportunity. Introducing the Ultimate Podcast Guide, designed to help you unleash your creativity and build your own podcast. Grab your free copy at redefineinstruction.com slash ultimate podcast guide. Find a link in the show notes. Happy podcasting. Such social media post on LinkedIn garnered 750,000 organic impressions. And that just drove home the point. This individual had about 9,000 followers on LinkedIn. Amazon had 4 million. Mm -hmm. It was Amazon Web Services. Mm -hmm. But it was so much more impactful for this executive to be the mouthpiece because it's a person. She's already had, she's warmed up her audience to have this connection with them so that they know what to expect when she posts. But this just blew it out of the water because it was so ridden with empathy throughout, you know, really emphasizing the care and the concern surrounding the attendees and why they put this event together. And it was, it was really beautiful and, and just completely blew us out of the water, even in terms of our expectations for how the post would perform. Sweet. That that's just beautiful. Um, so small businesses and and big big businesses, but mostly right. SBOs, right? They they struggle because the competition is so so fierce. Yes. How? I mean, it's 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 one thing to get that initial sale. How do you yeah. build that customer loyalty so that these customers keep coming back to you? That's such a such a good question. Obviously, it depends on industry, depends right. on your service. But um, I, I really, beyond understanding the emotional transformation of your customer, I, I, there's a few things that I want to touch on. The first is, um, where do they spend their time? Because you want to show up where they spend their time. So if your customers are on LinkedIn or if they're on Instagram or if they spend a lot of time on emails, um, y'all, newsletters, especially using AI as a tool, you can combine your approach to em be empowered by an AI tool that actually you've got your own content, but then it pulls in third party content to supplement. It doesn't need to be all original by you every time. That's so overwhelming and that's so much work. Mm -hmm. um, but you writing one original piece a week supplemented with third party content that's not competing, um, but it's just, it's serving your audience. You're staying in front of them. You you are you're putting yourself forward in a way that's really kind of servant minded mm -hmm. and and that's really what the customer wants especially if you consider the the customer funnel so number one is where do they spend their time and then two at what point in the customer journey are you looking to gather more sales? Are you looking to repeat, have, have your customers become repeat customers and increase their customer lifetime value? Are you looking to get cold leads? Are you looking to uh, move people who have been on your email list that they've been following you for so long, now you wanna actually convert them? Being able to identify what tactics fall under the brand awareness stage. They have no idea who you are. 
under the consideration stage, they know who you are. They also know who your competitors are. So now it's time to close the sale. And then conversion, moving them to become your evangelists. There's going to be different tactics that are going to be best based on what your goal is and then also where your audience falls. And then you want to make sure that you have the right KPIs, key performance indicators, to help you measure success because it's it's unrealistic to be expecting something so big and so grand if you, you haven't warmed up your audience, if they don't know who you are, if, and if they don't even know that they have a problem, you know, yeah. so really understanding your audience at that level of what is their pain point? What's the emotional transformation? Where do they spend their time? Who else are they listening to? Because that could be some opportunity for you to potentially collaborate with someone. One of our clients, um, they did this great work for uh, for public health department a couple of years ago during COVID. And we set up a webinar with the public health department and our client and just talked about the amazing work that they were doing in the community. That was purely brand awareness, but it strengthens the branding play of that company. So where are there other opportunities for you to increase visibility? But, um, but yeah, so where's your audience spending their time? Where does the activation fall in the customer journey? And then uh, ultimately, how are you serving them? Because your sale is going to come after you've developed a relationship most of the time because they need to feel uh, compelled towards you and drawn to you because again, you are the differentiation between your competitors, your brand and you as a, as a, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a small business, you're more than likely the differentiator. Y'all, I got to tell you, I, I I don't post that often on social. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more active. Um, even just sharing podcasts that I've been on over the last year, I haven't shared them or put them out, but I'm starting to. And almost every time I post, I get a lead. Because, and I'm not even talking about business all the time. I'm talking about what's just on my heart and what I care about. People want to do business with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meet them where they are. That's the the messages that I hear. Meet your customers where they are. Keep connecting with them because they want to hear from you, not from your your salesy advertisements, right? And then keep an an eye on the competition because you you might find collaborative opportunities over there. Yeah. Um, there are two terms that get thrown around very often, and they are used often as synonyms for each other. And mm. for SBOs, I think that that can be confusing. One is branding. The other one is marketing. And, and yes. in the world of for somebody who's deeply embedded in marketing, it, those are two very, very different things. Yes. Can you make that differentiation for me? Yes. Well, I, I, I don't have some great, fabulous definition, but I want to give an analogy that really helps me. Right. If you imagine a bridge... And you imagine you on one side and your audience on the other side. The branding play is the way in which you understand yourself and the way in which you understand your audience. Because then the marketing is what moves you to each other. So you've got your, you've got your message, you've got your values, you've got your brand. And, and the, the brand is all of those things compiled into uh, ultimately kind of that crown of setting the emotional expectation for the experience. And then the also, the, it's, and it's equal measure understanding your audience. It's almost like your audience has their own brand too. Like you've got mm-hmm. to think of your audience as this beautiful, we actually, um, I really like Donald Miller's story brand because he positions the audience as the hero. You're the guide, they're the hero. So you understanding yourself as a, in a position as a servant leader, you know, you're serving them, but then you're also leading them. Right. You're serving and leading them to the place that they need to be to get the emotional release and relief that they need to have a better life. And so you understanding yourself, understanding your audience is all branding. And then how the conversation takes place, where you meet them and how you meet them, all of that is marketing. 
Yeah. So marketing being being the channel through which the communication yes. happens and branding yeah. is your identity, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so I've never heard the term perception analysis. And I know you have that as, as one of one of your core values. Tell me what is perception analysis and how does it connect with branding? Mm-hmm. I, uh, and, and actually there are so many clinical conversations around this because it definitely is more of a, a clinical term. So I, I don't want to pretend to be someone that I am not, but the way that we use perception analysis is really your brand is as strong as it is understood and perceived by others. You can Lovely. think that you're a strong brand. You can think all these things about you, but if no one else thinks the same things, well, who's right? Well, if you're not getting business, well, then there's your answer. Mm-hmm. It's better to be it's better to be proven wrong and then make changes and adjust to be then right rather than just be proven right. So, who cares if who cares if you're right about the way you think you define yourself if no one else aligns or understands? Well, then there's a big disconnect. So, really the perception analysis is diving deep into how are you currently understood? How would people and this is I've heard I've heard a lot of podcasters and thought leaders recommend this. I have yet to do this in person, but I have actually done this over the phone. Sitting down with someone at Starbucks saying, "Hey, would you look at my website in 10 seconds? What do you think I do?" Mm-hmm. And and just really quickly asking. And I've phoned people and said, "Hey, uh, I'm thinking about um, starting this business and I, and I want to know what you think about this name. What do you think? And I call people in the industry and I've had people, they get engaged. They love it. People want to tell their opinions. And so really it's understanding how a brand is perceived, whether by a total stranger or your audience. Now we, uh, we've we been serving as fractional CMO uh, for one particular company and we started working with them where we did a complete audit and analysis of who they are, how they're perceived and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we we got to know their audience and we got to know their customers and we got 550 people telling us how they view the company. And um, a, a, another reason why this is very important is because there's probably opportunities to capitalize on your cu- current customers and ensure that do they even know all of your service offerings? Do they even know the full breadth of what you do? Because maybe they're pigeon, they've pigeonholed themselves or you've pigeonholed them because you've sold this one product so well. Mm-hmm. Well, do they know everything else that you do? So doing a regular check-in with your audience and keeping a heartbeat on, on how they're doing, how they're feeling. And again, it depends on the type of industry you're in. Um, but I mean, another client of ours a couple of years ago, they had clients on retainer for 10, 15 years that didn't understand the other services that they did. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of opportunity so long as you're committed to asking the hard questions and being humble mm-hmm. and sitting with the truth. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole UX aspect, right? The user experience where you actually keep going back to your customer yes. and asking them, what is it that you you interpret out of this? What is yes. it that you perceive? So that, in a nutshell, is the perception analysis customer's yeah. key, right? That's where the golden nuggets exist. So I'm going to flip the conversation just a little bit. There's a lot of hype on digital marketing, right? What are what are what, in your opinion, are some of the key things that uh, businesses can do to stand yeah. out in this in this noise and ocean of digital marketing that constantly yeah. is is kind of bombarding us? Well, I've been recently very pleasantly surprised with programmatic ads. So Google owns 40% of the real estate online, and programmatic owns 60%, and that's more of like auctioning bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Google is something that 
you can learn to do by yourself. I don't recommend it, um, but but you can do that with programmatic. You, I, I, I don't know of a way that you could come in and, and do it without actually becoming an expert um, and having an uh, agency affiliation and such. So programmatic is something again that I've just been very pleasantly surprised with because most of the time when people think of digital, they think of Google or Facebook, like these big big conglomerate brands. Programmatic is more of a methodology rather than a brand. So it's easy to kind of forget about it. But programmatic essentially is you've got your digital billboards, essentially. And there's different, you know, there's different channels and ways to do it. But one of the most effective that I've experienced over the last couple of months that has been exponentially moving our clients forward is essentially having those digital billboards. Let's say you go to Wall Street Journal or you go to Nordstrom. It's those little ads that just follow you around. Mm -hmm. And those ads are essentially getting millions and millions of eyeballs at a very, very low dollar. And it's uh, measurable, whereas actually physical billboards, you just don't know, you know, right. like you can guess and, and, and all of that. And that's one of the things that I've really been tied to is how can we make almost every single thing that we're doing measurable until we have the luxury of XX cash. You know, one of our clients were balancing a couple million dollar budget and ad spend, um, you know, so there's a little bit more flexibility with doing traditional marketing that is non-attributable, such as TV. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, there's ways to incorporate the TV stations are getting really smart. They know that you want attribution. And so uh, one of the changes that we've seen in the recent uh, years is that when the time that the ad plays on TV, you can actually check uh, visits on Google Analytics to your website. And so that's how they're doing attribution. But in terms of, of digital marketing, programmatic is something that I really, really recommend people look into mm -hmm. uh, because otherwise you're missing 60% of the internet potentially. Oh, wow. Well, that's something I'm definitely going to check out after after our conversation. Yeah. Um, so that actually leads me. So you you made that connection with with data, right? So tell me, what are some of the success metrics that you use to measure the success of your campaigns? Yeah, so the the biggest the biggest uh, success that I've found is measuring. So we all know measure cost per lead. But what we've been doing is measuring the percentage. So you've got 100% of your budget spend, right? And then you divide it out by activation. Mm -hmm. Well, we look at that budget percentage allocation. So let's say you're giving 40% of your budget to Google Ads. Well, let's look at our, our lead, our 100% of our leads. Let's look at the, the lead number that has come in broken out per, per, by percentage and then judge the effectiveness of the campaign. So are we seeing... You know, if you give 40% budget to Google, well, are you seeing 40% lead return? Or are you seeing, are you getting less than 40% or more than 40% out of your aggregated sum, 100% of your leads? How much of that is attributed to Google? That radically, and y'all, that radically changed our ability to, to make decisions, buying decisions, because pretty consistently for one of our campaigns, we've got Google, we're giving 40 to 50%. Well, it continuously is returning 50 to 60% in terms of leads. And, um, and then there's other ones, you know, where programmatic, for example, when we first started programmatic, we were not expecting a lot of leads because we had to warm up our audience. 
And so we knew that the lead percentage would be lower than the budget percentage because that was not the goal. The goal was not conversions. The goal was brand awareness. So again, that's why you need to understand which marketing activations you put in the funnel and then you assign the right KPI. So we wanted impressions. And so we're like, okay, well, obviously we can't attribute leads and we're not going to look at that as the term of success, but let's look at impressions and clicks. Okay, well, how are clicks? What's the percentage of clicks against the budget? And so looking at everything against each other in terms of here's 100%, are they actually doing what we want it to do? Either one, we need to change, again, be humble and, and be wrong and change our understanding, or that's not working for us, we're going to shut down that campaign. So that's been the biggest, uh, that's been the biggest change that we've made in the recent years. And it's been so, so, so helpful. Yeah, yeah. So I'm here, I'm hearing return on investment, essentially, how much are you investing and what are you getting out of it? Right? That's, exactly. that's awesome. Awesome. Yep. And then knowing how to uh, knowing how to judge the KPIs, right? Because mm -hmm. the return on investment isn't always going to be actual leads, it could be mm -hmm. clicks and, and impressions and such. Right, so. right. So measuring the dollar amount versus versus just the just the, the knowledge that the brand exists. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lovely, lovely. Okay, so you had um, a marketing campaign that you did recently, which is for Origin Karib, right? Yeah. Uh, tell me what were some of their pain, pain points and, and how did the knowing agency address them? Yeah, so Origin Karibe came in and they uh, they sell uh, cold-pressed juices and mm -hmm. they're delicious for anyone who has not had them. They're actually based in Dominican Republic, so they uh -huh. source all of their ingredients local, use local farmers, give back to the community. It's amazing. Talk about, again, getting people engaged in your mission beyond right. just the uh, and so their goal was to sell juices in giants and uh, giant eagles and Walmarts throughout the United States. And so we set up geotargeting campaigns. We did it first, you know, a five mile radius surrounding Walmarts because what we needed to look at was, well, where's the next Walmart? We didn't want to overlap and then go compete against ourselves in terms mm -hmm. of sales. So what we wanted, we needed to do was, okay, let's set up a five mile radius here, 10 mile radius here, et cetera, just depending on the proximity of each location. Um, and, and one thing that's interesting is that if you're getting a vendor who only does one thing, it is challenging for them to, one, be able to have full visibility into the entire campaign, but then two, ensure that you optimize every single part. So they initially hired us to just do digital marketing, which was the mm -hmm. geotargeting campaigns. Mm -hmm. But then we considered, okay, well, what's the landing page that people are going to when they click on the ad? Well, there was not a great user experience on the back end, and it wasn't optimized for mobile. Well, that's a problem. So then we took it to the next level. Okay, well, let's optimize for mobile. And then is this even a good call to action? You know, get a get it at your local store. That's great. But what about adding in a first time buyers club? Or what about adding in 50 cents off or a coupon? And then there's just so much opportunity to think bigger and more broad mm -hmm. uh, once you kind of get that initial campaign off the ground. And so we saw significant talk about return on investment. You know, we saw a significant return on what we were investing in that campaign. And it, it they sold out multiple, multiple times mm -hmm. out of their inventory in the stores. And so it was, it was great. And just the company itself is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and so on the landing page itself, we incorporated some of, and, and this is just a quick note, we're regarding developing a really good landing pages um, because you're 
driving that one call to action, whatever you want them to do, there's still opportunity on that page to give context to the comp about the company, because your goal is to keep them on that page, not have them go to the navigation. A lot of times true landing pages remove the navigation completely. So there's opportunity to tell the story and incorporating the emotional components while still asking them to take the action that you want them to take. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, Christine. I want to end with a fun question here. So okay. I know you have a movie coming out, The Christmas yes. Couple Retreat, right? <laughs> so thank you for sharing your nuggets, but I really want to dive into that. Tell me a little bit about that and, and how you got into that, that movie. Oh my gosh. I, that, that was the fulfillment of a childhood dream. <laughs> I had always wanted to be in a Christmas Hallmark style film. Sweet. And uh, it's, it's funny because when I started walking authentically with who, who I am as discovered in, in recent years, it's been, um, that's something I've always loved, but I never gave a voice to it because no one that I knew pursued acting. And I always felt like a little shy about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but as I started being more brave and walking in in how who who and how I am, I, you really start attracting the things that you love and the things yes. that bring life to you. It just comes. It's right. wild and it's a beautiful thing. So I I met a couple actors at a, at an event in D.C. last year, and uh, randomly he called me in December and was like, "Hey, are you still in the area? We're doing this movie, and I need a leading lady. Um, she's actually going to be my wife." And I. I was like, there's no way. This has to be a joke. It was like two days before. And then we all got on our round table where we read through the script. And I was like, this is real. Like, this, this is, is happening. happening. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was literally such a dream come true. And it was fun because I actually was able to use the Enneagram, uh, the way that we process and develop our target audiences, I was able to do that for my character. Sweet. And so it was fun being able to pull in the business elements that that we've cultivated over the last four years and then apply it to this role. Um, and then I actually had the opportunity to, to go to the Sundance Film Festival and speak on a panel there surrounding that whole process. And Sweet. it was it was wonderful and it was just such a dream come true. So I'm hoping over the next few years um, to get more into production, actually, not just the acting side, but also production and um, doing some marketing for films as well, because there's opportunity there. And you saw how well Barbie did. I mean, yes. the marketing for that was out of this world. It yes. was everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, Christine, it's been wonderful having this conversation. I know I could keep going, thank but thank God. you again for your time this morning. Um, I'd love to have you back on our podcast, but thank you for taking the time to speak with me and my viewers today. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, and I'm excited to be back on here soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefine Instruction. Please leave feedback. Leave a comment or question on any of our social media pages. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe for the latest episodes.